David Webb. Truth is the authority. This is Sirius XM Patriot. You know, a friend uh, sent me something, a reminder earlier. I know a lot of you have heard the comparison drawn to the fall of Saigon in the media, in the pundit world, and the various mantras that are out there. But for those of you who might more readily remember when we evacuated Lebanon in November of 1983, eerily similar, and more so in the sense of not only the region, but the parties involved, and what followed in that nation, what will likely follow in Afghanistan. Brigadier General, retired John Michelle, 26 years in the Air Force, four-time commander, six continents of duty, and he was the commanding general of NATO Air Training Command Afghanistan, joins me now. John, my friend, good morning to you. Good morning, David. Thank you for allowing me to, uh, to join you around this somber topic this morning. No, you're not one that we want to have. I think that's fair to say. And as the information begins to flow out of Afghanistan, there is so much to be talked about. But before we get into all of that, just to the people of Afghanistan, you know, we've seen some of the images and the videos clinging to the airplanes uh, tragically, some falling from landing gear as it retracted as the plane took off. Uh, but to the people over there, John, uh, those who wanted something different from from what we see now, uh, what do you say? Well, what I can say from uh, you know the, the really the depth of my heart, and you were there with me, David, in, in, in Afghanistan in 2013. You see, I love the Afghan people. Uh, out of all the places I've been that you talked about in the beginning, I find them the most resilient. And the reality is this, for everyone that's listening, uh, you know, our Afghan partners want the same thing we want. They want a safe place to be able to raise their kids. They want to be able to be able to enjoy just simple things in life. And so the way we have, if you want to call it finish, and I'll use the word finish in quotation marks, because this was not a finish. This is an embarrassment. Um, I can only, I can apologize on behalf of all those whose hearts and all those who have sacrificed that, uh, this is this is not, you know, America at large. This is a decision by a handful of people to bring to closure something that uh, I still believe was a very important and noble effort and know that you're still cared and loved for and will remain in our thoughts and prayers. And hopefully, despite seeing what we're seeing unfold before our eyes, uh, we will have saner uh, minds uh, come to the table and uh, and see how we will absolutely do better in the future. But all I can do, really, David, is um, I mean, it's been a, it's been a sunken heart weekend, is what I call it, as I think about the sacrifice and I think of what they're going through. And I'm, um, I just I can only reach out to all those who, and there are a lot of people who care deeply about our Afghan friends and our family there. So uh, it's really I'm really sorry to see what how this is unfolded. You know, I understand the. And I agree that, you know, there, there's a point at which uh, withdrawal was needed. Uh, I, go, I go back to just 2013, and even back then, coming over there, seeing it, meeting with them, talking with you, being briefed on this, uh, inevitably we can't, or we can't stay there forever. But many will argue that we were there too long. 
and that all the blood, the treasure, and the efforts were somewhat pushing aside the reality of who the Taliban were as an enemy and what they were capable of. Uh, they're not some backwater enemy. They may operate out of the mountains. They're smart strategically. Their tactics are effective, horrendous though they may be. And they even know how to use everything to at their disposal, including social media. Do you think that those policymakers would not recognize the warfighter need and component to defeat an enemy before we get to where we are today or to make it less likely to get to where we are today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, going back to how you, uh, what you astutely stated in the, in the, in the beginning of that, um, you know, the goal absolutely in, in no form of warfare stayed the long term. I would tell you if we were guilty of anything, it was we were a little too ambitious in our effort. We're good at certain at, at many things, if you will, in the United States and specifically the United States military. Building a police force of 300,000 people, um, probably not one of them. So the reality is this. From the outset, we knew, if you remember and rewind, when it came to doing core mission one, which is eradicate the Taliban's ability to uh, inflict harm anywhere globally following September 11th, we did that in incredible fashion. After that, we set out to create a more stable space. I think as we look at this... Uh, the combination of, you know, ever-changing agendas and priorities, uh, again, very much an overambitious attempt to accomplish something in retrospect. And this is what we talked about when we were together. What would have been the prop, more proper mission that could have been achieved without having to stay there necessarily forever and do it done in a more proper way would have been focusing the effort on a stronger, more what I would call asymmetric capabilities, right? What we did so well was special ops and, and aviation. Ironically, you know, rewind the tape to a month ago, even the Biden administration was saying that the Afghan Air Force was a jewel and one of the few things that we could really look to with some level of pride. Uh, you know, that's a different story by where we stand today. So all this goes to say, you know, this is a country with a long tradition. The Taliban is a very resilient enemy with, if you will, effective tactics. However, we did, you know, lose an opportunity in my view, and it's my personal estimation, to create a bastion of hope and opportunity and to show the world there can be a different way. Uh, ultimately, the way that this would have all ended, as we know, would have been through some form of negotiated settlement in forms of a coexistence, but a coexistence between differing ideas in a place like Afghanistan can only occur when you have at least parity in who's at the table. And I think what we've just watched, and it really started to unfold in uh, Doha last year when we sent the message it was time to go. That's the proper message. Unfortunately, a message without a plan and a mechanism to be able to allow all the work that's been done in the existing group of people in power in Afghanistan to sit across the table from the Taliban leadership and work through a negotiated means by which their society can operate in a contextual way, enabled by everything that we've accomplished to some level over the last two decades. And that's what I think is we're all just, you know, kind of knocked off balance by is how we literally didn't do any of the letter. We just decided it was time to go. Um, you know, our disappearing in the middle of the night from Bagram without telling, the Taliban, without telling our, our own counterparts says it all. So, you know, decade-long presence isn't the right place. But the last thing I'll leave you with, and I think it's an important factoid, for the last two years, combat casualties in Afghanistan for the 2,500 troop presence, which has maintained great stability, is less than traffic count deaths in the United States. So we, uh, we're, we're clearly 
good at certain things, at accomplishing some level of the status quo, if you will, until we could establish a more effective handover policy. Uh, hindsight, John, you, you know this phrase, right? Hindsight 2020. But foresight based on history was also here. Uh, the Taliban, uh, when you talk about parity in power, it was never their goal. Uh, you know, warriors win wars, and wars are not negotiations. They're not negotiations until you've won. That's their approach. Whether they were the minority, which they were at times, ineffective if they couldn't get out of the mountains in the winter, but they built and kept their footprint going. So one of the big failures I see in this is that after we defeated them post 9-11 in the sense that we took out the Al-Qaeda elements, the failure was to go forward and first destroy the enemy to the point where you could actually then talk about a forward, forward trajectory for Afghanistan. That didn't happen. Nope, you're right. And you know what? You just hit it. So in that moment, right, when you destabilize the enemy, you demonstrated the ability to prosecute and render them ineffective, would have been the op- would have been the time now to start having that conversation. But instead, what we do, I go back to, and again, I was I was part of one element of it, so I get it's only one piece of a much larger puzzle. But in the scope and ambition of thinking that we could take on an effort that no one's accomplished anywhere on the planet on this, you know, the, the breadth of what we want to achieve with their police force, entire training systems, and so on. I think uh, the ability then to bring them and to negotiate something. Uh, more importantly, so what we should have, you know, it, as we look at this, perhaps if our scope had been more focused on saying we will leave the Afghan government, who ultimately is responsible for governing that nation on behalf of its citizen, is not the role of the United States to govern their nation, but we'd left them with very key capability sets that the enemy or the other side does not have. And I go back to the great success with special operations commando forces that we've had there. I mean, I've been with them. Unbelievable. Uh, the Air Force, for sure, as the high ground and a couple you know, intelligence elements. That's a much that's a scope we could have accomplished. We probably would have been gone years ago, by the way. But now in allowing these forces who are extremely resilient, as you point out, they live to reconstitute as the Soviets and everybody else who's taken them on. And so unless you get to a place where you can negotiate and, if you will, govern or at least, you know, whatever, we don't even have a term for it because it's so opposite of how we think about democracy. Um, you're right. That point was lost all those years ago. And what we've done since then now and how we've ended this, if you want to call it that, has left a massive vacuum that yeah, no one expected to be filled in a week. But I would offer in some regards, we've seen the same situation play out in Iraq. So clearly, um, you know, I think we have some work to do to think about, perhaps in the future, how we even think about the proper role and use of the military within the political context, which is what this is all really about anyhow. Yeah, and maybe the problem is the political becomes also involved with the mission of the, of the military. Uh, but that, that's a discussion for another time. You know, there's a wider range in effect of this. There's a border with Iran, the former Soviet bloc nations, Turkmenistan and others in that area. And then, of course, the Pakistani border. And, you know, John, we see very little coming out of the Afghan-Pakistan border. But just two weeks ago, Pakistan completed a major portion of their border fence 
with Afghanistan. We saw this coming. Yep. Our intelligence was there. But the actions in this country to protect, uh, well, our service members or, if you will, our American citizens, uh, the embassy and otherwise, and those who worked with our troops, who literally, in some cases, uh, had to give up their families for some form of freedom, they were left out in the cold. This could have been put in place to evacuate long before the last week. Oh, the, the, the evacuation and at the beginning of your segment, and now we've all seen the actual parallel photos, which are fairly astounding, aren't they, of the landing on the, on the roof of, of, the, of, of our helicopters, how the, the lack of a real evacuation, I mean, it shows how haphazard this was. And as a retired senior military officer, I mean, I think anybody could say wars are won and lost on logistics and how you take care uh, and your ability to effectively plan and execute what we've just seen is none of the none of that. Um, how do you not secure your airport effectively? You know, pulling, pull, you know, you've seen what's happened, right? Six, now we've had to reverse course on the troops there. Unfortunately, we've had needless probably lives lost at the, with the Bedlam cause at the Kabul airport the last 24 hours. And it has, uh, I've never actually seen anything like this in my, my lifetime. I've been talking to my dad, a Vietnam veteran, who, uh, you know, his heart breaks when he was, saw the, the fall of Saigon. So when I shared that photo yesterday, you know, it was just, we would never have thought in our lifetimes together, having both now served in those wars, that we would see a complete repeat. So, it, you know, it's unfortunate the lessons of history were not learned, but the, the evacuation, the fundamental planning, really we're talking about here, David. I mean, you know the season's there. You were with me during the winter part of the fighting season, which is really there isn't much fighting season. Uh, and, and to be fair, I know that this advice, and you can read it widely now, you have, um, that to pull out the way we have effectively with no real plan, just be done, um, was absolutely all political. It was not the decision of the senior leadership. They've been, they made it clear that they would have waited uh, until we got into the winter fighting season and until we would have kept some form of even a diminishing um, security presence to do this in an orderly way, which we're really good at in the military. So I go back to, you know, this has always been about paving a path to sustainable political outcome. And this is where we're at. In the future weeks and months, what we will see is easy to predict and tragic. It will be the destruction of a society, the destruction of women, of children, the breakdown of any sense of anything short of the Stone Age mentality uh, of the Taliban. My friend, stay by the phone. We'll be busy in the next few weeks trying to sort this out. Absolutely. Well, thank you, David, so much for the you know, opportunity to come and, and join you this morning. It's, it's always a great joy to spend time with you. Even in difficult times, as always. Thank you. Thank you. General John Michelle retired again, former uh, commanding general of NATO Air Training Command, Afghanistan, 866-95-PATRIOT-957-2874.